This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our July 30th, 2018 edition of Invest Talk. And you are not dreaming. Yes, it's already July 30th. We're almost through the seventh month of the year, and summer's really flying by. And in fact, there's only one more trading day in the month of July, so listen up and, and look sharp. We're going to do everything we can today on the program to help you focus on how to best to improve your investment strategy for the rest of the year and beyond. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and of course, your financial investment questions will drive today's agenda. And it's Monday, so some of you may have to have add a you might have a question or two come to mind over the weekend. Uh, I know you're probably busy with family stuff, summer, etc., but uh, that can bring people together and talking about specific topics, uh, maybe money, maybe investments, maybe companies. And our phone lines are open for you to bring your questions forward. Because ultimately, like I said, that is what drives our conversation for the next hour. 888-99-CHART is that number. 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question for the next uh, almost hour or so. Now, before I get into the various topics, I will touch uh, on today in today's program, I do want to put out a quick reminder here, a message for all our listeners in Northern California. Steve and I are very happy with the turnout for Steve's one-on-one portfolio review appointments up in San Jose earlier this month. So he was packed back-to-back uh, for the entire day and strong response. So he has scheduled another day for August 29th, so a little less than a month away. And he can look at your portfolio and your situation and suggest ways to make it more efficient, more effective, and put you on a better path to success. There's no cost for these appointments, but you must register through investtalk.com. Okay, what are we planning to talk about today? What is on your mind? Is it the Facebook uh, collapse? Is it Amazon? And just the tech stocks in general declining, you know, the Apples and the Amazons and uh, the Teslas. And if you call Teslas a tech stock, I don't really. But, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really been an interesting week or so in, in the markets. And uh, I think in a lot of ways we are at an inflection point. So do you feel that way? Is there a particular name that maybe is acting differently than you've seen uh, in the most recent past? and want to get a second opinion on it. So there's a lot of action today to focus on, uh, and the market is uh, is changing its tune a little bit from, like we talked about for a while, value to growth. It really, we started in 2016, you had a redux of growth over the past, uh, you know, six months to a year or so, and now that tune seems to be changing again. So we're going to talk about that, and whatever else is on your mind. I also have a topic I know very well, real estate. In fact, the U.S. housing market, particularly in the cutthroat areas like Seattle, Silicon Valley, Austin, Texas, they appear to be headed for a slowdown. And if you're looking to sell your home, we've talked about, I've said this to many clients over the past 
year to two years is that if you aren't planning to hold your property for the next 10 plus years and you're thinking about selling it over the next two to three years, you want to be doing it sooner rather than later. And now we're starting to see that. We're starting to see, not that you can't get a good price for your home, but the market is weakening. Uh, really, especially in the high-priced areas, uh, but really nationwide. And you know, a lot of that has to do with the high cost of money, right? Higher interest rates, a higher cost of lumber and building materials uh, for new homes. And um, you know, just a, everyone, the affordability levels are just difficult uh, in today's market. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. If you're going to sell your home, what do you need to do to make sure it's ready to get the highest price? Now, before jumping into the store, that story, I want to honor our Invest Talk tradition and take a question from a caller. So here's a question that came in earlier on our Anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Edwin. Uh, I'm a new listener. My question is, could you please uh, talk more about what an ETF actually is, Anita Investing, and it's a question that I've had and trying to get my head around. Thank you so much. Love the show. It's amazing. All right, ETF is simply a fund, an exchange-traded fund. Typically, they're going to track some sort of an index, right? And the index provider tells the ETF provider or, or uh, sponsor what is in the fund. Uh, it can be a mix of stocks. It could be a mix of bonds. It could be a mix of both. It could be commodities. It could be futures. It could be all different, a lot of different types of assets. And you're when you're buying that ETF, you're simply buying that group of assets just like you were uh, in a mutual fund. The difference is in a mutual fund you trade uh, at a close of each day whereas an ETF it trades throughout the day and there's some complex ways that happens of creation and, and dilution of or, or just destruction of shares. I won't get into that because it's complex but know that when you're buying an ETF you're simply buying a fund and that's what it's called an exchange traded fund. So I hope that answered your questions. Now I want to hear from you. I want to know what's on your mind. 888 chart is how you get through on today's show and ask your question. Now well, you may have seen this headline at msn.com. Housing market looks headed for its worst slowdown in years and buyers are getting squeezed by these rising mortgage rates and by prices climbing about twice as fast as incomes. And we saw this problem back in the early 2000s, right? And we were talking about that on here on Invest Talk. We said you can't have housing prices go up 20% a year and incomes go up 2% a year. It does not work. The long-term prices of real estate go up with incomes. That's the bottom line. Why? Because what pays for mortgages? What pays for rent? Well, incomes. Now... The economy can get better, economy can get worse, interest rates can go up and down, but the bottom line is long term, I'm talking long term, 15, 20 plus years, incomes need to rise for real estate prices to rise. You can have short term times when interest rates drop and that's certainly going to help prices and that's why I've talked about the next 30 years of real estate is going to look very different than the last 30 years of real estate. Why? Because 30, 35 years ago, mortgage rates were in the teens. Yes, the teens. 
and you've had the Fed slowly lower interest rates. Now, even if rates stay around here, they're not going to have real estate is not going to have the tailwind of lower and lower interest rates. Okay, so that's why I talk about when you're you're investing in real estate, it's a cash flow business. It's not a price appreciation business unless you're doing flips and that's a construction business and that's that's different. It's a different ballgame. Okay. But the point I'm trying to make is you shouldn't be expecting this type of price appreciation for real estate for the medium and long term. And even the short term, it's going to start to slow down. It already has. Okay. So the weakness, especially here in Southern California, which is kind of usually kind of a canary in the coal mine. But sales were 47% below the June average. And part of that is builders are putting up fewer homes for sale. So there's simply less to sell. Now, in the past, California has been one of the largest housing markets in the nation, has been a predictor for the rest of the country. And while home prices have been rising everywhere because of that shortage, prices usually lag sales by several months. And so sales are starting to crumble even as more inventory comes on the market. So what happens typically is sales decline And inventory starts to rise. And as soon as inventory hits a certain level, usually five to six months of inventory, sorry, five or six months of sales in inventory, that's usually when you start to see more desperate sellers taking a little bit less for their home and it becoming a buyer's market versus a seller's market. So, I've talked, like I said, I talked about this with clients. I've talked about this before. This is where you, you start thinking about selling real estate if you're going to do it relatively soon. So if you have a question about that, please give me a call, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. I also want to talk about Facebook's big face plants and what lessons it should teach you. And we're going to talk about that. I also want to talk about Wall Street's kind of, I don't want to say magic trick, but they fudge the numbers or they use misleading figures that will make it look like a stock or stocks in general are cheaper than they really are. And then lastly, I want to talk about drug prices and uh, maybe some some shady things that go on in that industry that allow or keep drug prices high and why this is something you need to think about when you are uh, investing in drug companies. Now, take a quick look at the market today. We had the Dow down 144. NASDAQ was down 107 points. S&P was down 16. So what you saw here, Russell was down almost 2%. So weakness, weakness, especially on growth stocks, tech stocks. The, the time has come where uh, the, the transition to value, I think, is about to start, and it's already started over the past couple weeks. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for making time for Invest Talk. If you're listening on a regular basis, you'll probably realize that Steve and I do our best to make the complex understandable. Hopefully, we can try to offer unbiased guidance. That's our ultimate goal, and we always appreciate your input. 
So please call right now. I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART. It's a Monday Invest Talk. July is all but over. Only one more trading day this month. Have you subscribed to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? If not, please subscribe now. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our Invest Talk programming. And now, Justin's here, taking your calls live. 888 99Chart. Hey, this is Joe from Colorado. Um, I just had a quick question about FedEx um, as a short-term investment. What do you think about it? Maybe three, four months. It looks like it's at a nice low right now, looking to purchase for the short term. Thanks. Bye. All right. So he's looking at FedEx. And when you're looking at the short term, you really don't care that much about the fundamentals, to be honest. Uh, you're looking at chart pattern. You know, two, three months, that's a short-term investment. Uh, for some people, it might, might not be, but uh, for all intents and purposes, that's really what you should be expecting. Uh, now, it is certainly uh, off its high, right? So the, the whole transportation sector has been relatively weak, and FedEx is certainly a, a part of that. It's about 12.5% off its 52-week high, was 274.66. Now we're at 240.44. And honestly, I don't like it for the short term. Uh, it's certainly a good company. Return equity is high. Long term, you know, we're going to continue to ship things and buy things online. And more, more things will be shipped with uh, uh, FedEx, UPS, Postal Service, etc. And so the long-term secular tailwinds are there. Uh, but that recent decline in, let's see, uh, June, uh, pretty much the month of June, and the bounce in July has been pretty meek, and it stayed below its 200-day moving average, its 50-day moving average. I am not a fan of it. I would not own this for the short term. It's acting uh, and consolidating bearishly, so I would stay out of FedEx for the time being. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I and I hope you'll subscribe to the Invest Talk podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play then please rate and review. Your comments allow us to improve our Invest Talk programming. Make sure that what we're talking about, what we're doing, is uh, things you like and things you find valuable. Now, our Monday show is off to a good start, and we are still taking your questions. We have about a half hour left, so if you're going to give us a call, do it sooner rather than later. Give us a call at 888-99-CHART. If there is ever a moment when you question how well your portfolio is doing or should have been doing, make time to look into the various investment strategy programs available to clients of KPP Financial. Head over to investtalk.com, roll over the Invest Talk programs menu link, and read all about the programs. And now, we're taking your financial and investment questions live, 888-99-CHART. 888-99 chart, 888-992-4278. We have about a half after, half hour left in the show. So if you're going to get your call in, try to do it sooner rather than later. Now, our main talking point today is about 12 ways to blow your home sale. Now, uh, you can talk about it however you want, but the point is, like I said at the top of the show, this is a good time to, if you're going to sell your home in the next, uh, uh, or maybe an investment property, right? You have a renter and you're thinking about maybe selling it because you don't want to be uh, a, a landlord or something. 
this is a good time to think about listing your home. Uh, and but you want to make sure you get top dollar. So here are a few things that you make sure you need to do in order to get that top dollar. Number one is just make sure it's not dirty and doesn't smell bad. Those are kind of the top two, right? Uh, or top two and three are not not dirty, doesn't smell, and isn't cluttered. You know, don't have a bunch of stuff. If you do, make sure it's all kind of maybe huddled in the garage or somewhere that the buyers don't really see because they want to be able to see it in their own light. And if uh, there's a bunch of your stuff hanging around, especially stuff that doesn't really flow or feel good when you walk in, uh, that can really change uh, the perception of your home to a buyer. Then number four is curb appeal. Uh, you know, put puts make sure there's no weeds or, or stuff just hanging around in your front yard. Make sure that there, there's nothing there and uh, the 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 greenery looks at least well kept. And then uh, the, if you don't, then their first impression of the home is going to immediately be negative, right? So they want you want a buyer to walk up to the home and say, okay, this looks at least uh, like a good place to live in. Number five, no home inspection. Uh, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, let the buyer do it. Well, if you do it, you can avoid maybe big mistakes and wasting a lot of time, right? And if there's a positive report, you can actually use it as a marketing tool to say, hey, we've already done the inspection. There's nothing uh, major that you need to worry about. And if there is, you know, you can take care of it before, you know, you get deep into negotiations with a buyer that uh, goes into their own inspection and then, uh, and then they suddenly drop out and then you wasted two, three weeks uh, trying to negotiate with a buyer or an escrow and you could have had other buyers that were also interested and they probably moved on to another home. So you want to make sure that is all squared away. And then open the, open the blinds, uh, open drapes, make sure there's a lot of light uh, anything that's dark, looks like a cave, is not going to be very inviting to buyers. And then carpeting, clean it very thoroughly or put new neutral color carpeting. Uh, that's going to make it look like a, a fresh home. Obviously paint, if there's bad paint, you'd certainly want to repaint that. Uh, and you know the repairs thing is kind of similar. Uh, and then I think the, the, the biggest detriment is too high of a price, being too aggressive. Uh, because what happens is the longer uh, your home is sitting on the market, the more it looks like you're kind of desperate. You know, if a home sitting on the market for five, four, five, six months, you're probably going to get a lot of lowball offers, uh, and you're probably not going to move your home very much, and you're going to piss off your your agent as well, that who's trying to help you really move your home. Uh, and so those are some major tips, a lot of basics, but number one I think is pricing your home correctly. Now let's get to another caller who took time to leave their question on our Anytime Listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, long time listener, love the show, learn lots from you guys, thank you. I have a question here about a stock, I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Axon Enterprises, I believe the ticker symbol is AAXN, it's had incredible growth this year, it seems like it has a monopoly on its product in that Police officers are buying it, and it's getting into other areas, too. Looks like it's going to be growing for many years to come. What are your thoughts on it? Would this be a good buy and something to hold for three, five years and make some money on? Thanks. Look forward to your answers. Hmm. Okay. This is Axon Enterprises. I've never actually heard of it. Uh, AAXN is a symbol, a $3.5 billion market cap company, but that's... Uh, 
that's pretty inflated from where it was just a, a few months ago. Back in at the end of last year, near the end of last year, it was trading uh, in the low 20s. And now we're at $66 a share. So it's certainly exploded from a growth perspective. And that's because the first quarter, revenue earn, sorry, earnings were up 129% year over year. Revenue is up 28% year over year. They are in the security business, develop advanced electronic control devices for the law enforcement, military, and corrections consumer markets. I I like to dig into what are they selling exactly. A network of devices? Hmm. Oh, was this Taser? I think this used to be Taser, now that I'm looking at it. Because they sell Taser. Um, hmm. I'd have to do more more work. Uh, I don't I think this used to be Taser uh and maybe they added some more products. You know, I it looks it looks definitely expensive from from an earnings perspective, but I would like to look into this a little bit more. Um I wouldn't buy it right here. It just looks very very overvalued. Shoot me an email. I want to dig into this more. I I would love to give you some more information, but it looks like a one I got to really really dig into the to the actual business and understand where is this recent growth coming from. Now tomorrow on Invest Talk, tech bloodletting nears 300 billion. The rush to get out of U.S. stocks is accelerating, and Steve will break this down tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm here for you. Give me a call. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues next. First, good reason number five for a portfolio checkup with Steve. Steve says that many portfolios he looks at are weighted in just one or two sectors. A diverse mix of market sectors is so important to the health of a retirement portfolio. Steve can help you reorganize your retirement portfolio. He can make suggestions about the sectors of the future. And if you'd like, a KPP financial program that fits your goals and your life situation. There's never a cost for Invest Talk listeners and no sales pitch or obligation of any kind ever. To schedule your one on one conversation with Steve, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab and then Portfolio Review, or you can call 888 99Chart and follow the prompts. And now let's continue with the podcast. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where their stable investment program creates a stable income strategy. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. Do you want to speak with Justin? He's here now, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Chris from Virginia Beach. I'm a podcast listener. My question is in my 401k plan. They have four things they call trusts, which are, uh, they say they're not mutual funds, they're only open to employer-sponsored retirement plans and not to the general public. They don't have traditional stock symbols and are not tracked in, in any investment publication. However, what they do is they take the price per share of each trust fund, they break down each mutual fund, excuse me there. My question is, is should I invest in these or should I stay purposely stay away from them? I mean, is this some kind of accounting side of hand or is this something honestly that I can have faith in? All right, thank you very much. Bye-bye. No, I wouldn't say it's accounting sleight of hand. You definitely have to look at the fees. They're, they're just like mutual funds. Uh, many 401ks have them. 
uh, and it's 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 not atypical, that's for sure. Uh, why the industry has them and why there are so many of them, I think has more to do with like a sales tactic that they get access to these funds. But you know, for for the most part, they're they're not much different from functioning wise than a a mutual fund. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily stay away from them. I wouldn't necessarily invest in them because uh, I don't say, think they're any better than the average mutual fund. You know, to me, it's more about the risk and reward of, of their strategy uh, and in relation to your particular um, situation. Uh, you know, that's why we act a 401k, and that includes a lot of these trusts, and you can uh, put those into the plan, uh, and it will give you recommendations. So. Uh, I think it's uh, it's not something you should shy away from. Uh, don't think that it's some accounting gimmick or anything like that. It might be a marketing gimmick uh, to try to get people to lock into a particular plan provider, but it's not really going to be much different than your average mutual fund. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now let's talk a little about Facebook's face plants. And uh, on Friday, it was a Friday, I think it was Friday, uh, Facebook stock dropped about 20% and it lost $120 billion of market value in one single day. And that was the largest dr market value drop of any publicly traded company ever. So what that means is a lot of people who thought that their Facebook stock was a great investment was uh, a large percentage of their portfolio will gave a rude awakening. And um, Steve actually, uh, ironically enough, uh, when he had met with us, uh, a potential client, uh, I'm not going to give names or anything like that, but a potential clients recently in San Jose, they were very full of the FANG stocks. Uh, I don't know what percentage was in Facebook, um, but it was a couple, let's say that, and one of the, the members of the couple uh, was adamant that they knew what they were doing and they knew everything was good uh, and they were very confident in their tech-focused FANG strategy. And this is, uh, and, and ironically, you know, just a few days later, you saw Facebook really have its blow up. So it's one of those things where it's cyclical. Uh, and the market sentiment is cyclical and we are at peak market sentiment when it comes to tech stocks and it's a very overcrowded trade and we've talked about how narrow the gains in the major indexes have been because outside of a handful of stocks the indexes are down uh, and what you're seeing is an unwind of a lot of those names and I think this is the very start of it and what this shows is you don't want to get over leveraged to one particular stock or one particular sector of the of the market because especially growth stocks they can get crushed in a day just like Facebook did just like Netflix did uh, just like uh, you know Tesla will do at some point right so be aware that you want to divert. So why we talk about diversifying, not having more than any three to five percent in any one particular name, not putting so much money into your company stock that you're tied to the ebbs and flows and the long-term success of that stock. And these are the things that can happen. And I think Facebook uh, will probably drop 50% or more from its peak. 
Now, how they adjust to it? Do they relaunch their platform? Uh, do they have an exodus from Instagram uh, as well as Facebook? Because that's kind of what you're seeing now is an exit, not an exodus, but certainly uh, I, I believe user user growth in Europe was negative uh, for the quarter or flat at the very best. Uh, here in America, it's certainly small. Uh, part of that is a product of just being so large. Part of it is a product of people being uh, disenchanted with the value it's giving them. Uh, disenchanted with the Cambridge Analytica issue. Uh, so there's a lot. Uh, it's, a, it's a good example of no matter how well things have done in the past, leadership is very important and making sure that they don't have these types of missteps that really can jeopardize not just a quarter of earnings, but really the their product as a whole. Okay. Uh, and, and some leaders are, are good at avoiding that and some are not. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with hubris. A lot of it has to do with the mentality of the leadership. And that's why we talked about leadership is a very important factor. Uh, and no matter how good you think the leader is, it's usually not as good as you imagined. Uh, and you know, Tesla's a good example of that, where everyone thought Elon was uh, the greatest uh, businessman in the world, and you know, kind of the the clothes are suddenly come, finally coming off of him, and realizing that you know he's not as smart as everyone thought he was. Now, as most of you know, we encourage your finance and investing questions live each weekday on Invest Talk during the program from four to five Pacific time. But we also accept your questions around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can record your question and we will answer it on the next show. And remember, you and your friends are free to listen to Invest Talk anytime, any moment. Uh, we have a hundred recent programs archived on investtalk.com as well as you can access them through, like we said before, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, etc. But for now, keep those cards and questions coming in, folks. We are taking your calls Live, 888-99-CHART. If you live anywhere in Northern California and you missed your opportunity to sit down with Steve Peasley for a one-on-one -on -one portfolio review, there will be a second chance. Yes, Steve is returning to San Jose on August 29th. Appointments are free of charge, but they fill up quickly. In all probability, Steve can help you fine-tune your portfolio so that it produces improved results. So why wait? Register now through investtalk.com. Justin's here. The phone lines are open. So get your questions in now. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Steve from San Jose. I had a question about a particular stock, Tata Motors, symbol TTM. I've had this stock for a while, and it, it's gone up quite nicely for me since I've purchased it. However, in the last six months, it's kind of taken a dive, and I just want to know, should I get out now while I still am ahead, or do you think it's hit its bottom and it's now going to go uh, sideways before bouncing back up again? Thank you, guys. The show is awesome, and I look forward to hearing the answer. Bye. All right, he's looking at Tata Motors. This is an Indian manufacturer of heavy, medium, and light commercial vehicles, passenger cars, and accessories. They, they were a decent size uh, before the financial crisis, and they got even bigger right before the financial crisis because they ended up buying Jaguar and Land Rover from Ford, and that was actually one of the big reasons why 
Ford avoided bankruptcy while a lot of the other car companies didn't uh, because they actually made a, a nice sale. I think they bought it for about $2 billion, uh, if I do remember correctly. So they're, they're a right now they're a $13 billion market cap company. No dividend. They're out of India still. Uh, revenues are up 16% year over year. Earnings, though, were down 50% year over year. Uh, they are coming out with a new, uh, I believe, with the iPace, which will be one of the big first competitors to Tesla uh, and their lead in electric cars. And there's been a lot of glowing reviews about it, uh, especially in relation to the Model X and the Model S. Uh, and uh, it's just better quality, better service, et cetera, than, than Tesla's offering. So I think there's a lot of positives there. Uh, the big question is, can they make it profitable? You know, Tesla's having trouble making their cars profitable. Will Tata Motors be able to make theirs profitable? And you know, what do you think of the the other lines? And I talked recently about uh, the the struggles of the car industries in general. You know, it's very cyclical. There's uh, a video on our YouTube channel uh, about. Uh, the auto industry and how it's going to struggle through this year and into 2019. Uh, and one of the headwinds and the reason you're you're, you're seeing the fall in Tata Motors uh, since um, late 2016 from about $40 a share down to about $20 a share now is a stronger dollar, right? Uh, and uh, certainly uh, they have a lot of sales in India of uh, Indian cars and uh, the rupee is depreciated. And so that's certainly been a headwind to the stock price. Long term, I don't love the car industry simply because it's just a low margin business. It's a difficult business to, to make a high return on invested capital long term, but their re, uh, return on equity is pretty high. Uh, so I like that, about 24%. Uh, and let me look at the return on invested capital. That's uh, about 6%. So is it near some long term support? Yeah, I think it's uh, relatively undervalued. Do I love the industry long term? Not, I don't, um, but I do like the brands Jaguar and Land Rover. Let's go to James in New York. How are you doing, James? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. What can I do for you? I wanted to talk about um, Rent-A-Center, R-C-I-I. I used to own a position in that some years back, and it's had some tough times. It really hasn't been a big mover. It's been moving down. Um, I mean, lately it's reached a, like a kind of a high, but I was wondering if this was a good time maybe to short that stock. Well, uh, I don't know if you know the news, but they have been bought out. They officially have been bought out? Uh, well, the announcement was on June 18th of this year uh, to be acquired by a unit right. of vintage capital management for $1.365 billion or $15 per share in cash and debt. So it's uh, at about fourteen seventy two now. So the odds are that uh, when it you know it's going to close. You know I don't I don't know. I haven't looked at the deal. Uh, your the only reason you would short this is if you think the deal is going to fall apart for a particular reason. Uh, and then you're yeah this would be a great short because it'd probably fall back to its pre IP or pre buyout price of about ten dollars a share. So it'd fall about thirty three percent about thirty percent from here. So if for whatever reason you think that it's going to fall apart, it would be a great short. But uh, you know, if it goes through, which you know most deals do, nine out of ten do, then you're going to have to buy it back for higher price at fifteen dollars. Which, granted, is only about one and a half percent higher from here. But still, uh, you know, that's that's not something I would want to do. And you'd have to pay the dividend uh, in the meantime. Okay, understood. That makes sense. 
Yeah, so I, I was figuring that the there's a very lim- maybe a more limited downside since it's so close to the buyout price. If it did fall apart, there would be a greater upside, you know, potential. For yeah, that's your risk reward. But I, I, but I would, if I were you, I would need to know. I would have at least you know a reason why that deal might fall through, and I would need to do research on that. Otherwise, you know, you're just kind of sitting there wasting your money in the in the time being. Thanks for the call, James. Let's go to Karam in Florida. How you doing, Karam? Hi, Justin. My name is Karam. I'm calling from Florida. I have a question about talk United National Foods. Natural Foods? Yep. They announced yep. that they're going to acquire Super Value, the grocery chain. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, stock has gone down. I'm not sure if you've heard about that deal. Um, I have heard of it. Uh, like it's it's a pretty interesting deal. Seems like it's a good what do you value know about at it? this point, but, but I'm not sure how what's the best way to play this situation when they announce the deal and the stock goes down. Yeah, well, uh, clearly the market doesn't love the deal. Uh, they are using cash and let's see. Yeah, it's, it's in cash, so. Uh, I don't know if they have the cash in their balance sheet. I haven't really looked too deeply into it. But uh, United Natural Foods, for everyone else out there, they're a wholesale distributor of natural and organic groceries, produce, peri- uh, perishables, and other foods in the U.S. and Canada. So from what I'm, I'm imagining, what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, okay, we have uh, the distribution and we uh, have the relationships with all the supplies uh, that go into grocery stores. And they probably said, okay, let's buy a grocery store and create our own Whole Foods. This is me imagining it. I haven't really read up on it, but I'm imagining that's what they're trying to do. So they're going to go in from the distribution business and come maybe vertically integrated, right, and try to be a player in the grocery business, which on the face of it, I don't think that's a terrible plan. It makes uh, sense to some degree. And so I actually kind of like, like it on its face. Now, I need to do more research. I need to understand their new capital structure, what the projections are for, for earnings. This is a, certainly a complex situation that's going to take a lot of work and le- legwork to really understand what is their plan going forward. Certainly, their business is going to be very, very different. How is this going to affect their business with their customers, right? Because I'm sure their other grocers aren't going to be very excited that suddenly they're going to now be a competitor to them, right? So how is that going to affect things as well? I'm sure that's part of the reason why it's fallen so much. So uh, certainly high risk. I wouldn't touch it until A, I've done the legwork, and B, it's stabilized at least for a little while. It still remains uh, in a downtrend and looks like it's going to go to new lows. So I would keep it on my watch list, do some work on it, and try to find an entry point because on the face of it, to me, I kind of like the strategy. Thanks for the call. Well, our Monday show is fast uh, heading to the finish line. And we're still, we've still got about 10 minutes left in the program. So let's talk about how to grow your money. What is on your mind? What are you thinking about? Get your calls in now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk. The rush to get out of U.S. tech stocks is accelerating as tech bloodletting nears $300 billion. That's tomorrow. But now, Justin's here, and he's ready and waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Jeff. I'm uh, from Iowa, and I listen to 
the show all the time on the way to work. Got a quick question about a uh, ETF that I'm interested in. AIEQ. AIEQ. Just want to get your thoughts on that. It's an uh, artificial intelligence powered one. Thank you. All right, well, this is a the AI-powered equity, uh, and it's an ETF that is basically run by robots, uh, by artificial intelligence, by Watson, uh, actually, uses Watson. And what it does is invest in 40 to 70 different names that are out there. Uh, and I'm going to be pretty transparent here and say, I don't like it because it's trying to take my job. Right. Uh, that's the that this is the dream is that oh you just uh, have a computer doing the trading and they're going to outperform and they're going to do better. Uh, but uh, you know I'm a history I'm a I'm a I'm a student of history and I tend to look at these things with a pretty skeptical eye. Reminds me kind of of portfolio insurance, uh, long-term capital management. Uh, usually these things are the type of things that. They do pretty well for a while, and then suddenly they hit a hiccup, and the market crumbles underneath them, and you know, uh, you know, I, it just doesn't work out in the end for uh, investors. And it's recently came out end of last year, and typically new ETFs are bad investments over the over the future five, seven, ten years or so because you're kind of at the peak of whatever that is. Uh, now this is a little different because it's not focusing on a particular sector or anything like that. It's uh, using Watson to make its decisions. Uh, so you know, I don't love it. I, I don't think it's something that I would invest in. Um, but then again, it's also trying to take my job. And I don't like that. So there's kind of both sides of it, I guess. That was the AI-powered equity ETF. AIEQ is the symbol. Now let's talk a little bit about what analysts can do to manipulate valuations, where we are in the current market environment, etc. And one thing that they do is they look at, they, they quote P ratios, right? Analysts quote P ratios of maybe the, a particular company or the market as a whole. And now mid-year, usually beginning of the year, they're looking for, they're saying, okay, 2017, for, or 2018, shall we say, uh, for example, we're expecting earnings to be this much, right? And it's usually higher than it was in the previous year, and therefore the P ratio to the start of the year, based on projected future earnings, is lower than the previous year, if you're using the previous year's earnings. And then what happens mid-year is, oh, well, this year's pretty much over. We kind of know what to expect for Q3 and Q4. Let's look at the future earnings for 2019 and use... A calculated P based on that, and what this does is it means that you're they're using figures that not only are overly optimistic typically, but aren't going to really be reality for another 18 months or so. And studies show that if they do that by looking out 18 months, basically in the future. PEs are 16% lower than if analyst focuses on the trailing 12 months. Okay, so these are examples of analysts that are prognosticating, and typically their prognostications are 
overly bullish, even if they're correct in the direction, right, the direction of where earnings are going, they typically are over-optimistic, especially when you go out 18 months. So this only goes, this only supports my thesis and my advice to all of you is that analysts are good for one thing, and that is figuring out what earnings are going to be in general for the next couple quarters and in abstract over the next maybe couple years, but they have no idea where the price of the stock is going. So never use an analyst's price projections for where the stock is going. They do not know. It's just an educated guess just like everybody else. Don't think that they have some special equation. Okay? Look at their earnings projections, look at their sales projections, and that's about it, and do your own homework from there. Well, that's it for Monday. Another Invest Talk radio show with your questions driving the discussion. Today's program will soon be posted to our podcast player library on investtalk.com. Thanks for listening, and please come back tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.